could jumping rope be the key to world peace? Because it is such a like diverse group. I mean, we have got like every possible demographic you can imagine within the community and everybody is in there to be supportive because they have empathy around that journey. Hey everybody, welcome to The Quiver Show. This is our audio journal about family, life, business, and the search for our best selves. We hope you enjoy. Oh, is it time for a quiver? G'day everyone, welcome to another episode of The Quiver Show. I am your host, Ash Crawford. Today, you'll meet Dave Hunt, the visionary founder of Cross Rope Jump Ropes, and we uncover the inspiring story behind his innovative fitness venture and learn about the fitness revolution he's sparking one jump at a time. I hope you enjoy. Good morning, Dave. Morning, Ash. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, how are you? It's been actually probably a couple of months since we've spoken last. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, it's been, um, it, do, it It feels like the summer's gone by quickly, probably because I've uh, played more golf than is responsible. We had, we had had golf conversations before, and when the weather is good and you have the opportunity to do so, plus kids' activities and and travel, but no no big complaints on, on my end. It's been, a, it's been a good year so far. All right. Well, thanks for coming on today. Um, I just wanted to go through a couple of questions. You are a really fascinating guy to me and you do a lot of things. Um, so how about we start off by how, we, how do you describe to people what you do? Sure. Well, usually I actually start by saying I sell jump ropes because it is not a common thing and it catches people off guard. And the follow-on question is either associated with, um, oh, that's interesting, tell me more, or is that your full-time job? And, you know, either of those um, questions just lead to an interesting conversation that shares a little bit of context around what really drives me as an entrepreneur and what Crossrope is ultimately trying to do in, in making jump rope fitness uh, more accessible to people and really a form of fitness that's not on most individuals radar. And so I, again, start by just saying I sell jump ropes and see where the conversation goes from there. Yeah, I guess that's, that sort of leads into my next question is like, you sell jump ropes as that's, that's the, the physical example. And, and that's the final iteration of what you do. But obviously there's, there's something more behind that, that, so what, what drove you to sell jump ropes or I guess another way to put it is what is the change that you're trying to see in the world? Well, it started, you know, I think a lot of times the entrepreneurial journey starts with someone solving a problem that they have. And at a high level, I, you know, I've always been into fitness in some capacity. I ran track and field. Uh, even after graduating from college, I still I couldn't hang up the proverbial spikes. I still wanted to, you know, to train and, and feel like I was an athlete. And yet most forms of cardiovascular fitness just have not appealed to me. Even when I was uh, in the Navy for 12 years, I had to take my readiness test twice a year and run a mile and a half. And that was about all the running I would do. And that's not to, to place a knock on any form of fitness at all. I think it's important that people find something that they enjoy that they can stick to. And so that exercise doesn't feel like a chore. 
But for me, I just couldn't find that thing until I found jump rope. And I think it it kind of lit a spark around this idea of, of creating a better product than what I felt was out there in terms of my own experience, especially with heavy jump ropes. And so when you do find something and you create something that you believe is that engaging hook for you, there's such a strong desire to, to bring that to more people, sort of like just, you know, expanding the party, if you will, and getting more people jumping because it's always, it's always fun to do things in tandem with the community when you find, when you find your tribe and when you find others that really are sharing the same experiences. And it's really gratifying when people share that now they've found that form of fitness that they actually enjoy that's not a chore that gets them great results. And so those, those have been some of the drivers for me the past couple of years. So having seen and onboarded a lot of people into the, the jump rope space and, and introducing them to cross rope, is there one practical tip that you've found that has been most impactful or helpful to people starting out um, who doesn't necessarily have an athletic background or experience jumping rope before? Is, is there a piece of advice you've come across that, that seems to be impactful? Yeah, for sure. The most impactful one is that learning to jump rope with a weighted rope is easier than learning to jump rope with a lighter rope. And I actually didn't know that when I started cross rope. That was an inadvertent discovery because I went when I it was a you know one person operation. I went to a couple trade shows and you're trying to do anything you can to get people to come into the booth and try out the product. And the most common thing was people telling me either I don't jump rope, I can't jump rope, I'm not coordinated. And if I was able to convince them just to give it a try with a heavier rope, it, it was almost like magic. You know, they, they went from saying that they were completely uncoordinated to stringing together 50 or 60 jumps in a row on their first try, like immediately. And right. their eyes would just light up and they would say, oh, I guess I can jump rope. And not only was it reinforcing and, and giving some confidence, but sometimes I'd say, but well, wait a second, you know, you probably still may not be able to jump rope with a really light wire rope or cotton rope or PVC rope. There is something to the fact that when you can feel that weight, you have the tactile feedback to learn the timing and the rhythm and to build confidence. And so it's, I think it's one of the lesser known things. It, it's well known now within kind of like the jump rope community for people who do jump. Um, but it's, it doesn't, it's counterintuitive for most things within fitness that you'd actually start heavier rather than lighter. And so if you're a beginner, please, I mean, we offer a range of weighted ropes. There are other weighted ropes out there. I don't care, but please start with a <laughs> please start with a rope with some weight in it because it'll really advance and progress your your jump rope fitness journey. I've now that you're saying that 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 makes so much sense and it's something that I've I've definitely experienced but didn't realize it was that. It's just like figuring out how to jump with a wire speed rope is is tricky. But then something to do with the weight of the rope and and the the revolution speed or the cycle speed of it. And that you're saying that tactile weight of the rope just does make it a little bit easier to get into that rhythm and, and find your own rhythm. So that's, that's pretty cool. All right. Well, let's, I'm going to change gears here a little bit. 
A um, little bit of a segue, but you're a busy guy. You've got 30 minutes for a workout. Uh, wedge between meetings or at the end of the day, what is your go-to? My go-to is to do a 30-minute workout within our app just because now we also have um, some workouts that use uh, body weight exercises, uh, kettlebells, dumbbells. So just depending on whether I want it to be all jumping or a mix of that. But that genuinely is my goat. Some people would say, oh, well, like, of course, that's your answer. Don't get me wrong. I've, I, I like to play other sports. Um, I enjoy lifting. There's people that don't like lifting. Um, but the reason why I do that, even outside of the fact of it being my company, is because jumping rope was kind of always my go-to, even before cross rope. And I just like how the app takes the guesswork out of it. So it's, it's weird now to have a team that creates the workouts and the programming. Um, because as much as I used to like to do all that, when you get busy, it, it's, it's too hard. It takes too much mental energy to think about what you're going to do. And I just go into the app and pick something that's 30 minutes long and, and it's, it's guaranteed to be a great workout. So that's my go-to for 30 minutes for sure. That's awesome. So you, you solve, solved the issue for cardio workout for yourself and now you've gone on to solve the programming issue as well. I mean, this yeah. is, yes. that's awesome. Yes. <laughs> all right. So what do you do to unwind or do you have a guilty pleasure that you enjoy? Uh, well, I mean, I guess the first thing that comes to the mind with guilty pleasure is sweets. Um, I do like sweets. I feel like I've cut back on those, but it's like the only way to cut back is to keep them uh, far away from wherever I am. Um, so if we're talking about guilty pleasure from like a culinary standpoint, it's, it's definitely that. Otherwise, I mean, I, I really still enjoy, you know, I, I mentioned golf earlier. I enjoy, um, you know, I, my wife just picked it up. So sometimes we'll go a good couple's time together, trying to get my kids into it a little bit. Uh, definitely playing with friends and sometimes just going out on my own. It's a good time for like, you know, kind of just relax, mental health break, get out of nature, enjoy the weather. Um, and, uh, I guess final thing is, is YouTube. I don't know. Just like watching YouTube, uh, Netflix, probably nothing special or different than anybody else, but, uh, it's, uh, just a good way when you can't get out and do those activities to, to do some mindless activity, just cause otherwise you're probably the same as me. Your gears are always turned. You got to figure out ways to turn it off sometimes. Absolutely. So, um, when or where do you feel the greatest sense of belonging? I think, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think it's so contextual and I, I feel like I get my, you know, belonging in three different ways. You know, one, one of them is family. Like I, like I mentioned, uh, wife and two kids. And so, there is something special about being a husband and a dad. And, you know, when your kids want, you know, they're still at the age where they like to do certain activities, where they like to spend time. And it's very, very rewarding to feel that um, there's been an opportunity to do a lot of kind of uh, activities that'll serve as life lifelong memories, especially because it's so easy to document them now. I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but between Facebook and the smartphones and things of that nature, 
having the little memories from past years of all the things that you did, you does spur a lot of that nostalgia. And I think the nostalgia really spurs a lot of sense of belonging as well. So I think that's, that's one community, but in a, in a professional sense, just, um, collaborating with my team and enrolling our community in new creative ideas to get more people jumping and seeing the manifestation of that um, really does feel special and gives a tremendous amount of fulfillment around this idea that like amidst all of the craziness of things going around the world, we're not going to solve all the world's problems. But if we feel like we're making some positive impact and that's being acknowledged, by a growing community, it, it really does enhance the sense of belonging. And one of the things that I find interesting about the jump rope community specifically, I've made this joke before that could jumping rope be the key to world peace because it is such a like diverse group. I mean, we have got like every possible demographic you could imagine within the community and everybody is in there to be supportive because they have empathy around that journey. You know, the struggles at the outset, the different goals that people are trying to achieve. And so seeing that kind of manifest where it no longer has anything to do with me at all, it has to do with what it's growing into, um, enrolls me with a sense of belonging. Like it's not there because I'm causing it to be there. It's there because it's through the hard work of the team and so many others that we partnered up with and collaborated with to grow this um, it's almost like cool just to be a fly on the wall and chime in and just be a part of it sometimes. And so there's a lot of sense of belonging from that as well. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's really, really cool. Um, what are you currently grateful for? A lot, you know, I, <laughs> it's, I probably stole this from somebody else. I, I, I don't think I can take credit, but I've said recently, wherever I did get it from, that I feel like gratitude is the eighth wonder of the world. And I don't know, it, it, it sounds cheesy, but um, you know, I, I also have this book on my nightstand that's um, uh, Attitudes of Gratitude. And I don't even know who the author is. And it's just like little sayings and little snippets, um, maybe little pieces of sage wisdom from, from various people throughout the course of time and history talking about gratitude. And my joke for a while is that I hadn't even read the book, but just having it on my nightstand was transformative because it served as a reminder to be grateful. And there's always going to be the ups and downs, but I think, you know, having that as a reminder, um, you just can't take any day for granted. So I'm grateful for my family very, very grateful for, you know, my team, the business, the community, uh, you know, my opportunities in life to be able to go the entrepreneurial route, um, you know, which isn't the case in, in all places around the world. Um, grateful for, you know, my parents and, and my upbringing and all those sorts of things. I mean, th there's probably not going to be anything overly unique or special in terms of what I'm grateful for, but the the biggest value is the little triggers that remind me to be grateful on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think like, it's, it's just tough not to get a smile on your face when you are reminded of all those things, even if you're having, even when you're having a bad day, even when there's stuff that you get fixated on, that's tough. Um, 
it doesn't mean that gratitude changes that. And it doesn't mean that you can't acknowledge the ups and downs and the highs and lows. It's just a good reminder that this is life. There's ebbs and flows. I heard an analogy once. It's like each of us as an individual is a blue sky and the way our emotions are the weather, right? So when clouds come in, when the storm comes in, it doesn't change who you are. It just changes how you feel. And so a combination of like that visualization with the things that I, that I, that I do genuinely feel grateful for, I think has me feeling very positive and optimistic and, and ultimately inspired on a day-to-day basis to see, you know, through, through what my team and I are doing, how we can try to bring that positivity and, and impact to others as well. Yeah. I think that you, you bring up a good point about the reminder to become aware of your gratitude in, in and throughout your day. And what are some of those things that can remind you, not necessarily about a specific thing to be grateful for, but just, oh, can I take a moment to ask myself what I'm grateful for right now? Like a book on your nightstand that says a gratitude attitude is enough. And yeah. my experience on that is very, very similar. It's fantastic to have that reminder on your phone or something pinned on your desktop. And what I found really helpful is changing those periodically. Like if I've got a book on my nightstand that's reminding me, or I've got a post-it note on the top of my computer, after a while, I sort of become a bit immune to it. Like I've, I've seen that message, that reminder, I know it's there. I don't even look or digest it. So for me, changing up where that book is or writing a slightly different post-it note on a different place is enough to, to then trigger that reaction of, oh, let me take in that message again. You know, I just, I don't know if you know, I was just taking a note on that. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is, you know, that's something I have not thought about as much. And it, it is completely the case, right? You know, everything has a, has a shelf life. And I think like, I love that you brought that up. Thanks for sharing because um, I think having the new triggers and a new methodology around that, uh, it's like you can believe in the power of gratitude and you can see how powerful it is in your life. But, you know, we, we you, things do kind of get lost in the shuffle. They do get, get lost in the mix. They get glossed over. And so I think the intentionality around what that refreshed and that new trigger is going to be. I'm going to try that out uh, because we all, you know, it's like we can, we can share all these things. Right. But like there's days that you forget to be grateful and you get super mad and you have those bad days and that's okay. It's just, I think it's really, really beneficial to have um, creative ways to trigger that gratitude. So appreciate you sharing that. I love it. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one of those things which I enjoy doing this podcast is we get to have these conversations and I get to pick up things from here and there. It's like, I didn't, I didn't create that idea, but I've picked it up along the way and found it really, really useful. So I'm, I'm excited for you to, to see how that goes. Yes. I love it. All right. So this, I mean, this is a great way to sort of uh, close out what we're talking about today. How and why are you optimistic about the future, Dave? I'll, I'll, I'll use an example of my kids, right? So I think it's so easy for parents in general to get really, really anxious about things associated with the kids. Are they doing the right things? Is the world going to be safe? What's the future of the world? Um, are they parenting the right way? Are they, you know, should they 
do this or do that? Should they feed them this food or that food? Are they doing the right activities? Are they spending too much on screen time? Do they need to be afraid of smart? So we're just bombarded with things to worry about. And, and one of the things I do, I take a deep breath and I remind myself that um, tens or hundreds of thousands of years ago, uh, cave people seem to be able to work it out, right? <laughs> they had shelter, they had water, and somehow they survived. So if they could figure it out and figure out how to, um, you know, take care of their offspring and raise them, and the world has gone on this constant evolved trajectory to ultimately be better and better, that things are going to be okay, right? And so, like, it, it, there, you can kind of get consumed with everything that's wrong in the world because I'm not like a, a media basher per se. I understand that it's the model. You know, we, we respond and we react to negative stuff. And that's like a evolutionary biology thing, right? You know, we respond to things that we perceive as threats. And so I don't like hold media accountable for always being negative. I just understand like it is what it is. They're trying to run a business. They're trying to get clicks. But at the same time, I kind of think back through, I think it's useful to study and understand history, at least in some capacity, to think about. Um, you know, existential threats of the past, World War, Oppenheimer just came out. Like, it's a shock to me every single day that, you know, knock on wood, there's not been some sort of a, you know, uh, nuclear detonation since the two bombs that went off in the 1940s. Like, that's mind-blowing. Like, something is going right, the fact that that hasn't happened. So, so why am I optimistic? I'm optimistic because I feel like humanity is somehow survive through so many existential threats of disease and plague and wars and violence and all of, and it doesn't, it's, it's not being dismissive of the challenges and the threats. You know, people might be talking about AI now and we had the challenge of COVID and all these different things. So it's not being dismissive of those sorts of things. Um, and even wars that are going on right now, they're very, very important. It's just saying somehow we figured out in the past. And I believe that the indomitable human spirit will figure that sort of thing thing out. Um, and so how do I, uh, apply that to my day to day? It kind of goes back to, you know, what my locus of control is, you know, what, what do I have the capacity as a single individual, um, to, to make a positive impact. And it, it does, uh, play into this idea of, you know, being the best spouse and parent and friend and neighbor that I can be through high integrity action, through trying to do, you know, pass on any lessons that I've learned that I think can be of value. Um, trying to be a good business owner, entrepreneur, boss to the extent that I can for my team. And if we grow creating jobs that are hopeful, hopefully impactful and fulfilling. And then, you know, for our customers and our community, providing something of value that's helping them to achieve their personal goals and hopefully empowering them. You know, you never know, right? It's like some people could say it's just a jump rope. It's not this, it's not that, but we've had some really, you know, interesting, impactful, influential people use our ropes. And if it helps them to be a little healthier and if it helps them to be a little strong and a little more confident, maybe that can kind of extend to the positive impact that they're making. And so um, I think that I do believe in this idea of a virtuous cycle. And um, I think that's, that's really why I am optimistic and how I maintain optimism because I don't have to solve all the world's problems. You don't have to solve all the world's problems, but if we're solving problems in the best way that we can in a high integrity way, I think that there, there's genuine reason for optimism. And uh, I think that that's really a lot of, I think that there's more good in the world than bad in the world right now. It's just easier to hear and fixate on the bad in the world. And so 
that's my, my philosophy and I'm sticking to it. I love it. Well, thank you for taking the time today, Dave. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you everybody for listening. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Got my quiver here and uh, always good for an energy boost. Hey everyone, Ash here again. Just wanted to say a special thank you and offer you 20% off everything over at drinkquiver.com. So if you're interested in any of our coffee and teas or apparel, use code podcast at checkout for 20% off as a little thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.